and a name. We'll come up with a name at some point. Right now, it's just Freedom Center yeah. podcast. Uh, I was thinking like The Hangover. Yeah. For, like the day after, <laughs> we could call it that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Preacher's Hangover. And, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, well, welcome to the first episode of whatever we're going to name this. Uh, just a uh, behind-the-scenes um, look at the day bef- the day after, I guess, Sunday. Uh, Pastor Josh here with Pastor Jim, Pastor Carl. Um, how are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's Monday, yeah. and I haven't resigned. I find that pretty... Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny you're talking about the name of the podcast might be The Hangover. I think yeah. that's perfect, because every Monday morning, you actually call it The, the Preacher's Hangover. Right. Monday morning, you wake up and hate everybody for a while, and then yeah. by the fourth cup of coffee, you start getting saved again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll endear ourselves even more to the community with that one. Yeah, right. yeah. Let's definitely do it. Do you feel, do you feel similar, <laughs> Pastor Carl? Or Oh, yeah. Mondays yeah. are always great for me. I yeah. love Sundays, so... Mm-hmm. You know, Monday's a good day. <laughs> well, I love Sundays. That's the problem. <laughs> right. I love them too much. By the time I lay down, it's like, I hurt everywhere. Well, it's crazy because like, people don't understand whenever you come to church on a Sunday, you attend, and yeah. then you go home. You don't really realize how much effort and energy goes into right. Yeah. You, you see an hour and a half of, or I guess it's more of a half an hour of preaching, and then another half an hour of preaching. How could you be so exhausted? Yeah, it's a big you deal. You do it once, and you're like, I'd, yeah. I, I you know what so it's like? tired. I, the only analogy I think that the average person might get is, is on your wedding day. All you're doing is standing there and repeating what the pastor just said. It says, why are you so exhausted at the end of the day? It's like, right. you're, you're totally on. Like, you are, yeah. Yeah. everybody, you're remembering names, you're walking around, you never sit down, you barely right. get a chance to eat. I mean, I, so basically, pastors at the Freedom Center get married twice every Sunday. That's what it feels <laughs> like. So by the time you go home, and poor Pastor yeah. Jason, has to come back then high energy with 200 right. kids in the room but he's a machine show. so that doesn't he's really not count yeah. yeah he's not one of the plenty advantages cyborg. of hiring yeah somebody that's he, mechanically uh, he lifts it's good he, he, he lifts. Lifts. Yeah. Yeah. so anyways what this podcast is normally going to be is just um we're going to break down the previous day's sermon talk about it see if there's any uh more in-depth parts that we can go through. Um, also, if there's questions from people that were at service the previous day, we're going to start putting it up on Twitter and on Facebook so that you can ask. Obviously, with this inaugural one, uh, no one really knew that it was happening. So mm-hmm. but hopefully next week we'll have some questions. So what I wanted to start to do today was just hear your guys' process. Like, how do you decide what we're preaching on? Um, <laughs> yeah. How do you create the sermon? And is it I mean, I see. You, I know every Thursday morning you have blocked off, and that's the yeah. time to write your sermon. I don't know how much work goes into it before that. Yeah. If a lot of it, because you've been in it for so long, is just repeats of sermons that you've already written, and you're just kind of updating I them know. a little bit, or. <laughs> no. um, but like for example, this 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 uh, this summer is God's God's plan, mm-hmm. and we've decided that we're going to cover the full Bible in twelve yeah. weeks. How did we? decide that that was what we were going yeah, to do. I, I think it's funny because I, I think there's several ways to get a sermon. One is there's it's good to have a healthy, stable diet of prayer, you know, teaching yep. on worship, teaching on right. salvation, teaching on, you know, but then there's these other ones that just come up like, uh, oh, it's divine. I mean, God just puts it on your heart. Like my, yeah. my people need this, Jim, you know, lead them here. Right. And, uh, and then it's, you know, once you know where you're going, it's, it's a fairly simple process to get there. So with this changing dynamic of from being a centralized come to the Freedom Center where the the elders, the pastors, the teachers will do the, the cool, scary, fun stuff mm-hmm. to a decentralized model where everybody now is being called into cool, scary, fun stuff. Right. 
um, you know, you look around, you go, everybody's not ready for that. So what are the things that are keeping yeah. us from being ready? And you go, you know, there's, there's to, to call somebody into a mature walk, you know, the, the scriptures have to be a huge part of that. And we've noticed for years, kind of a, even a more and more dwindling knowledge, general knowledge of scripture that yeah. uh, the average person, you know, because Sunday school doesn't really exist in the church world anymore. There's I grow classes we have, there's life groups, but really right. the, the value of we teach the Bible line upon line, precept upon precept, book upon book. If you come here, you'll study the entire Bible in eight years. You know, even like Jay Vernon McGee radio shows that yeah. used to do it, I, I don't even know they're still out there anymore. So right. that general I know scripture is, is getting rarer and rarer a person to find. So we right. saw that and said, if we're going to go where God's leading us, we got to know what he said and we got to know his heart. Yeah. And obviously whatever theology you create, if you don't know scripture, you kind yeah. of create a God that Christianity, that, that God doesn't really exist. Yeah. So it's obviously important there. Uh, Pastor Carl, just uh, similar thoughts. Um, when you're writing a sermon, you, you just got out of Young Adults where you were preaching every single week. I know you're not preaching nearly as much now, but you're going to be preaching a lot this summer. Sure. Um, similar for how you create a sermon? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously prayer is a huge part of you know that beginning process, uh, but I know for me, um, and particularly with Young Adults, but I think with people in general, um, I just keep my ear to the ground on what the world what the questions that the world has because yeah. I think the Bible answers all of those questions and then some and so right. I, I want to find the <laughs> the most controversial thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh, the thing that nobody wants to talk about that mm -hmm. maybe the church isn't even talking about and right. what does the Bible say about this not what is the religious narrative but what right. does the Bible actually say because then I'm like, I'm just, I'm, these aren't Carl's personal, like I'm just the messenger. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and then allowing the Bible to speak for itself as right. opposed to me having to polish it up in any way. So. I think that's something that I've always appreciated about you is the fact that there's no topic that's off limit. If the world's Sometimes talking I about wish it, there was. <laughs> <laughs> if the world's talking about it and they're trying to figure out what the answer is, you're just like, all right, let's yeah. go all in. Yeah. Same-sex marriage. Let's yeah. talk about it. But or, if we if we don't, the world is talking about it. Right. You know what I mean. And if yeah. we, you know, I could do fifty-two weeks on identity, mm -hmm. and we would have doubled our numbers, and you right. know, whatever, because that was the hot topic to talk about was identity and purpose and whatnot. But yeah, like, why is greater than what? I, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> what a cliche, man. Somebody needs to read the bait of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> But I, you know, it's it's good to send, and I I think a great point that you made during this week's sermon. You know, they go out into war every single yeah. day that they're not in the four walls of this building, and so right. how do I prep them? How do I help them see that they can use the Bible and right. and can lead people to Jesus by answering some of those questions? Mm -hmm. So. Let me ask you this, um, because you, we are talking about going from sending our unsaved friends to a large group environment where the pastor then tried to get them saved and more of going back to a leading a person to Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Does that scare you at all because of the fact that it's you have less control? You're kind of trusting your congregation yeah. to be Jesus to their friends instead of them bringing their friends and then us being able to kind of 
control what happens yeah. once they're through the doors. You know, I think if I'd never led a group into this before, then then maybe. But this mm-hmm. is the way like youth ministry was uh, in the mid '90s. You know, when we were when Dean and I were in, were in youth ministry. Like the name of our youth group was the Mud Club, and Mud stood for Missionaries Under Development. Yeah, like we what were, was the the Seventh Airborne. Yeah, yeah, Seventh Air, H E I R Airborne. <laughs> hey, it was cool. Oh man, it ten years cool. from now, I feel like that's going to be the oh, name of the ministry. Oh, yeah, you yeah. wait, it's going to be yeah. in the Christian clip art books all over again. <laughs> but we, so no, we we know that inside of everybody, there there really is a Jesus that wants to come out. Everybody that's born again has the Holy Spirit, has the convictions of God, has the, you know. But like Peter, it's. Just just because you, you walk with Jesus a long time doesn't mean you know what to say to the servant girl when you're at the fire and you end up denying him. Like right. there's, a, there's a shame that's universal in that. There's a joy that's universal in the day of Pentecost where he stands up and says, this Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ, and yeah. thousands get saved. So, I mean, we're we're leading people towards their destiny. And, right. and I, I think what's funny is we don't need 100% buy-in. We literally need about 10% because yeah. <laughs> it, it's so contagious. If 10% start coming back and telling their friends, I got to lead my coworker to Jesus, I had yeah. prayed for somebody, they were healed. Yeah. Hey, I, right. you know, someone asked me a question that I didn't know the answer and they asked it, but then I started trying to explain it and God just filled my mouth with words. Yeah. It's funny how a culture is created out of about, about 10%. Right. You know, so, and I think we're, we're well over 10% right now. I, one of the things that's funny, Pastor Pat's been saying, hey, on the 4th of July, can I have a, a family, multi-family picnic here at the Freedom Center on the grounds right. for the express purpose that if somebody comes and says, hey, this is where we've been for the last, you know, 22 years, yeah. it, there's a face explaining it, not a sign on a, on a van that says, you know, we're closed. Right. And I said, well, and I, I didn't want it to be a bad event. So I, finally he talked me into it. Let's, let's do this. So I came back to him yesterday and I said, hey, so yeah, it's cool. Go for it. And he goes, yeah, the problem is I can't find anybody that's not already doing something on the 4th of July. <laughs> that's so, awesome. So that's, yeah. that's great. So I know we're, yeah. I know we have more than that 10%. I, I right. think we're, we're over half now that are having some meaningful, thoughtful, prayerful something. Yeah. So no, I, I'm not afraid of it. Um, I'm excited for it. And, and I, and I see it happening already. I think maybe if you'd asked me just prior to preaching the first summer where I talked about change, I'd have said, yeah, I'm a little freaked, but, right. but the response has been so positive and people right. have been so ingenious about what they're going yeah. to do and how they're going to do it. Right. That I'm You've been getting a lot of like, I thought we should have done this five years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I got it. I got it from some of our people that are not like, like Jeff Waltz is not necessarily an innovator. He's, right. he's an administrator. So I yeah. say, hey, here's my dream. And he tells me the 17 steps to make it happen and, and why I shouldn't do it because you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's an administrator, yeah. but it's a, it's a good gift. Uh-huh. And uh, what we ended up, he said, yeah, we've been riding that dead horse way too long. I went, really, Jeff? Right. <laughs> you know, the Fourth of July, we started this together. Was, Everybody's thinking it, but nobody's telling yeah, you what they're thinking. Well, it was, yeah. it was Jeff Waltz, John Harkness, and Jim Wiegand and our collective families right. that really was the first Fourth of July. And so, for one of the founders to say, "Yeah, I didn't want to say anything," but I, I saw it too. I saw it going declining, and I, yeah. I don't think he knew what the next thing was, but he saw that the last thing was no longer, you know, had the punch that it used to. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome, uh, Pastor Carl. Just being the the life group pastor now at the church. Um, I think we're switching the name soon, right? Are we not allowed to say that at all? Are oh, yeah. still groups. Be like groups. Just groups. We're just simplifying nice it and, a little nice bit. Um, I'm just curious, like, what your your leader's reaction has been so far to kind of saying that we're going from a, a, a larger group environment to kind of smaller groups. I figured out of everybody, they'd probably be the most excited since yeah. they're kind of oh, passionate Oh, yeah, they about love this. it. They're, they're really pumped to... I think at the end of the day... Um, people want to be challenged you know Mm -hmm. like i i think they want to rise up to some type of uh great call or great you know passion that a person has you know when you cast vision or 
you know, this is the, this is the goal and we're going into war about right. this. You know, there's there's an excitement that kind of wells up in people. Mm-hmm. And I think change, too, tends to get people excited about certain things. So I, I think the responsibility that, you know, we're placing on, you know, the general person here and ourselves, too, you know, to reach out to people, I think is re- like just it pumps up the people who are already, I mean, that's what group leaders are. They're right. already kind of personally investing in the congregation, yeah. you know? So yeah, they're, they're excited. Awesome. Yeah. Let, let me ask you guys this, um, because we're kind of going back to the way church was 30, 40 years ago, where it was, you went to GM one day working and yeah. you came back born again and you didn't go to a church service you just knew a friend that got saved and they talked to you and all of a sudden you're saved um where did that switch because i i wasn't (laughs) i'm only 27 so i didn't i don't really when you talk about it i just kind of hear about it i i didn't really live it um i want to know like where that changed how did it change why did it change i mean the pc answer or the (laughs) pc meaning pastor yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and you should answer from your perspective too carl yeah my my thought is that about 30 years ago um the average size of a church was you know 150 200 people yeah it's now down to about 100 people and but that's really not even an accurate number either because two percent of, of those churches are over a thousand people in attendance. So there's, right. there's a, there's those outliers that kind of create, you know, the, the curve, if you will. So mm-hmm. most churches are 50 ish people struggling to survive. Uh, and then there's it, it, kind of the comparison is in this town, there used to be a bunch of little party stores that sold groceries and then Walmart moved in and now there isn't, you know, they, right. they went out of business. And I think that there's been a race to become the Walmart church, the, the mega church, the people that yeah. write our books, teach our seminars, you know, are, are on the podcasts are not people that pastor churches of 50 people. Right. And so if you're not careful, you start to conclude that success is numerical. Yeah. And then you begin to do whatever it takes to get those numbers. So, right. uh, and, and I, and I think there's a, you know, Jesus fed people and Jesus attracted people and signs, wonders and miracles and loaves and fish. I don't think anything's yeah. illegal or immortal about those things. The motives can be wrong for right. both of those. Um, but I, I think if your motives are right and you give away a go-kart and kids come to VBS and they get saved, then so be it. That's, that's awesome. And then the yeah. youth gives away a car and then we give away a, you know, right. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with loaves and fish ministry. But I think that what's happened is as, as the church has gotten broader in attendance, it's gotten much shallower right. in, in depth. And so I think this is the natural pendulum swing that's coming back. It, it, it was, you know, it was deep at one point. And again, mm-hmm. like you're saying, you went to work and you came home born again, had to tell your wife, I gave my life to Jesus today. Yeah. Uh, everybody that I know that's like 50 years old that, that didn't, wasn't raised in the church, that's their story. Yeah. They went to work one day, they went to a concert, they went to school, you know, their, mm-hmm. their coach took them aside, led them to Jesus. Personal evangelism was huge. Right. But then it became corporate evangelism because I think there's always that 1% that leads people to Jesus. And then there's yeah. that 99% that just wants to go to church. Right. As pastors, we facilitated far too long um, uh, a party, a celebration. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if we are in any revival right now, because people say we're in the midst of a revival in America and different, uh-huh. different pockets, if that's true, then it's the first revival that hasn't escaped the four walls of the church. Right. It's only inside the church. And most of the revival, and I'm putting up my quotation mark, you can't see that on the podcast. (laughs) It's it's not it's not people being saved, it's people leaving their old dry church to come to this, you know, this soaked ministry that's just so I I think I think that um, I think this is the natural pendulum swing. But that's where it went. In my opinion, where it went was 
crowds mean success. What do we have to do to draw crowds? Right. And amateurs don't draw crowds. Yeah. Highly trained, highly anointed, highly skilled professionals draw crowds. Right. And so the professional worship leader, the professional preacher, the professional, mm -hmm. the lights, the music, the action, the smoke, the, you know. And again, yeah. I'm not criticizing right. that. Right, we do all these things, by the way. Yeah, so. we do, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not <laughs> criticizing that. But I am saying that if that's all you have, it, the pool may be yeah, a mile yeah. long, but it's two yeah. inches deep. And that's dangerous. Right. So we've had a lot of people that got saved here and then moved somewhere else and, and dropped out of church because they couldn't find the church like the Freedom Center. It's like, oh, you, you weren't supposed to find the Freedom Center. Right. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're supposed to find Jesus, right. who, who's in every believing church in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? right. so, but I'm think, curious what the millennial, what the, what the, uh, what, what the younger guy says here. I, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. I would just not said it as nice. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of but, uh, engineer uh, preachers yeah. on prosperity. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I think that a lot of the model for church has kind of perpetuated the taking the responsibility away from the quote unquote general believer and putting it squarely on the shoulders of you know, pastors and staff and right. leaders to preach the gospel. And even with that, you know, I, I think if you asked your general pastor, when is the last time you shared the gospel outside the pulpit, I think that would be a shocking answer for right. a lot of people yeah. too, yeah. you know, because I, I know of all people how easy it is to hide behind that pulpit and say, that mm -hmm. I have shared the gospel, but to really build those relationships outside of the four walls of the church with people who don't know Jesus, I mean, that's a totally different story. Right. But I, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of factors that kind of created a perfect storm, and I do think a lot of it is control. I think, you know, even just our the lack of relational skills that's created by how we interact with each other or don't, you know, mm -hmm. today, you know, adds a huge, like if you asked your general person, how do you strike up a conversation with somebody you don't know? I, you know, I think fear would overtake them and they'd faint, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. burst into flames, right. <laughs> you know, right. from not knowing how to do that. And, uh, you know, even with your friends and family, I think there's a great uh, fear of confrontation in any mm -hmm. way, yeah. you know, these days. And I, I think for the believer, that is really detrimental to personally sharing the gospel with people. And the funny part is, I don't even think it always leads to what the traditional definition of confrontation would be, right. Right. but it leads to, oh, you disagree with me. Oh, I can't take that. I can't take you challenging right. my <laughs> belief. It's like, no, that wasn't a fight. That was a conversation. No, no, no it was a confrontation. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I, I think, you know, I don't think we've done the greatest, and I mean, we as church in general, the greatest job of preparing believers to share the gospel outside mm -hmm. the four walls. I think we've done a great job of giving them the tools to invite people in. That's, and but, I think that's yeah. it. Because the focus has been get them here and I'll get them saved. Right. right. Get them here and I, I can tell my friends we have, you know, five more. We grew by 8% last year and our programs are blah, blah, blah. And you yeah. think, again, why, are we, why do we not know the scriptures? You can say, well, because we don't have 
the, this, the mechanisms we used to have as a church. Well, what, what happened to Sunday school? Why is it gone? Well, it wasn't as popular. Right. Yeah. People right. weren't attending. People. Right. It took space. It took money. It took teachers that right. we didn't have. It became inconvenient. Yeah. So we stopped doing it. Sunday night services, uh, Wednesday night services. We have one Sunday morning service, by and right. large, in the Protestant church anymore. Hmm. Yeah. And then life groups. Right. And, and life groups aren't necessarily a scholarly environment. They mm -hmm. are if there's a scholar leading it. But I think the intention is more to be known to have that that yeah, tribe, true. you know, right. and tribes are as as wise as the the tribe. But they're if it's yeah. a tribe of fools, it's a tribe of fools. Right. You know, a tribe yeah, of right. the ignorant, it's a tribe of the ignorant. So let me ask you this: Do you think, just if I'm, I'm kind of summing up what you guys are hearing, as churches have become less and less challenging to their people, they've also grown because it's a lot easier to get comfortable in a church than yeah. it used to be. Like if you're in a church. 30 years ago and they're asking just regular attendees to go and pray for the sick. That's, that's challenging, but we don't normally do that. And when we do it, it's like leaders, if, if the people are lifting their hands, go and pray for them. But yeah. there's no, like, I don't know, it's a lot less challenging and maybe a lot more comfortable than maybe it was 30 years ago. So we're, we're doing a really good job of making visitors feel comfortable, but at the same time, we're not really challenging our, yeah. our attendees, I guess. Yeah, and, and I, so let's let's take the same analogy and put you in a weight room. You know, yeah. we, we really want you to, to we really want a, a successful gym, which uh -huh. means money. We want a lot of people to use this gym. Right. So we lower the price. We make sure that, that anybody that walks in any physical condition will not be judged. We call it a judgment-free zone. <laughs> and if anybody begins to behave in a way that, that would cause them to grow, an alarm yeah. goes off because now they're being a lunk right. or a lunker. You ever have that alarm go off on you, Pastor Carl? I have. Okay, I had yeah. it once, and it was really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. we're, both, we're both members of the planet. Are you as, as well a member? No, I don't have the 10 bucks a month. Okay. <laughs> I, I, it takes me more energy to walk to the gym than it does what I do in the gym. Yeah. Right. No, I'm saying I think that's what we've done with churches is let's let's. Yeah. Lower the let's lower the cost. Let's let's make the bridge as short as possible. Get as many people. I mean, I, if you right. were to ask me, and this is I'm going to say this, and people are going to hear it. Yep. Someone asked me, what percentage of the Freedom Center do you believe will go to heaven right now? Like they're here Sunday. Uh -huh. What percentage do you believe are, are des They're born again. They know Jesus. They're going to make it. They're going to heaven. Yeah. I, I would I would optimistically guess two thirds. Uh -huh. I, I would pessimistically guess about a half. Which means, right. in my estimation, as the pastor, half the people right now. The, you know, we're a come and see model. That's what we've been. Mm -hmm. the, the danger is people come and see and then they like the song and they actually feel something during the song and they raise their hands during right. the song and they, they make friends during the song and then they go home and get hammered with the girlfriend they're living with and they say how much they love Jesus. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know that they love Jesus. I think they love the Christian lifestyle right. that we've made available with very little barriers. And I'm, I don't, you can get out of balance in that too because Jesus called a bunch of burly you know, tax collecting zealot fishermen and yeah. called them disciples before they were believers. So there right. is a biblical model for, for that journey. But my, my hope is that I, that they take that journey. They don't just take the food, the loaves and the fish right. and forget that there's a Jesus at the end of that. Well, and that's your story though. Like you, you would have never walked into a normal church, but you walked into an environment that looks a lot more similar to what we do on a Sunday yeah. morning, but somehow you got from that yeah. I don't want to say shallowness, but maybe that easier environment to walk in right. to going to a more challenging environment at yeah. some point. Maybe speak for a second of how you got from, from one to the other. Yeah, I, well, I, I went straight from the rock concert to preaching what I knew of Jesus uh, right. to Which friends. wasn't much. wasn't much. And then I, I was already enlisted in the military, went to boot camp, and by the time I was in the Army a year, I'd, I'd returned to my addictions. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't 
dope and, and acid and you know because that you'd, they'd find that in your analysis and the last thing you want to be in a military prison is a police officer so right. so I just drank that was the socially and legally accepted mm-hmm. you know way yeah. to get hammered so I did and I went back to that and it wasn't until a long season of just ugh I hate what I've become I remember sitting on a bar stool and somebody saying so what are you going to do when you're done with the military are you going to make a career out of it and I said no I got other things to do I said, you know, what are going to do I said I'm going to be a missionary and they'd laugh and say, you're going to be what? You're, you're, you got five empty you know, tequila shots in front of you, and there's another five on the way. And, you know, I'm sitting in a gay bar because it's, it's the cheapest place to get drunk. It's 10-cent right. drinks and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, I, and, I, and here, I don't know. And he said, yeah, I'm going to be a missionary. It's just the last thing you think you'd probably hear from somebody <laughs> right. in that position. You know? But, I, but I, always, I, always, I, I was born again. I was saved. I did have a call. I just didn't know how to live it because I wasn't discipled. And that comes right. back to the same thing here. I was not discipled till I went through master's commission. I was yeah. loved, I was enjoyed, I was participating, I was leading, but I I, I didn't have any foundation. And the scriptures are that, that solid rock. So right. the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell down because my foundation was on an experience that was yeah. genuine, real, changed everything, but gradually the world really sucked me back in again. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, until, it wasn't until someone taught me just not to drink, but how to stay sober. Right. It wasn't until someone told, hey, you should read your Bible, but, you know, actually helped me to understand how to read my Bible and yeah, how right. to pray. And so I was in a, an in-depth kind of cross between Bible college and boot camp experience, just similar to our Freedom Center Ministry Academy. Right. Um, only much harder because we were tougher back then. <laughs> you know, these wimps today. So, I so no, but, we, it, but if it hadn't been for that year, I guess I, I could have easily, and the counselor got me saved, yeah. led me to Jesus. That was the environment, but it didn't disciple me. Right, and mm-hmm. I, and that's where man, we need we need not just people that go, hey, you're awesome, and God bless you, and you're wonderful, and we love you. That's that's part of it, but there's mm-hmm. another part. that goes, and you're a moron. Yeah, and yeah. don't you don't you ever let yeah. me hear you speak to a woman that way again, young right. man. Yeah. And hey, this thing you're hiding from everybody, I see, and Jesus sees it too, and I want to help you get out of that. And right. you yeah. know, are you read your Bible today? No, I didn't have. You know, you can always have excuses, or you can have Jesus. Which one do you want? Like I needed, right. I needed the same. The drill sergeant that trained me for war was was I needed a spiritual drill sergeant to train to train me for spiritual war. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think. If life groups are this nice, how was your week? Give us a testimony. What's your favorite scripture? You know, here, have a brownie and go home. That's okay. It it meets a need. But there's another need, and that is to have our butts kicked by someone who loves us enough to tell us where it is. You know? Right. Right. Well, I think something that's really big, too, that I I see lacking in the church, even in my own life, is scripture memorization. Yeah. Because it's so easy to, I have it in my pocket all day long. I can search. And I don't even need to know the verse. I can just remember... There's like three words that I know. Yeah. Search it. Search oh, there it, it is, there right it is, there. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it is powerful whenever you actually have it memorized yeah. instead yeah. of just trying to look for it. I think that's something that we kind of lack. Yeah, just well, that's a, that. That's that yeah. Jesus reflex we talked about yesterday. Yeah. You know how, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Your, your flesh is right there waiting, or Jesus is right there waiting. Right. But, You've practiced your flesh. Yeah. You've memorized your flesh. Your flesh comes naturally to you. Yeah. Right. Um, Jesus is more powerful, but if he's not the first thing you reach for, then then you you know after you settle down, then you reach. You've already flipped the guy off and gotten beat up on the side of US twenty three, right. you know, <laughs> or you're in jail because you beat the other guy. So it's. Right. I, I think having that scripture that's ready, um, whatever it is, you know, Dean and I are having an argument, and I, I go, you know, what. What do I have to stand on? Husbands love your wives. Don't fix them. Don't try to understand them. Don't try to make them into men. Just, you know, love your wives. And whatever that takes in for me to settle that argument, to settle her soul, to come to mutual understanding or compromise, that that comes out of that Mm -hmm. love your wives, love your wives. And I could say, hey, you're supposed to submit to me, you know, but that's 
What idiot would say that to his wife in the middle of an argument? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And, and by the way, if there's idiots listening that have done that, stop <laughs> doing that. They're actually, probably not married anymore. Yeah. 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 Saying that, so. All four wives hated when I said that, but it's yeah. in the Bible. It's like, stop saying that, you know? Yeah. No, just I, the commandment. Some, not every commandment's for every person. Dean right. is not commanded to love me as Christ loved the church and lay his life down for me. That That's a male commandment to, to a singular role right. in, a, in a family unit. So, yeah. So knowing the word so that when that when that happens, it's not just me arguing with her. It's it's me arguing with me because God's telling me to do something I don't want to do, but his word is there to constrain me and compel me to make me do the things I don't want to do and, and the things that I, I I do want to do that I don't. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think scripture memorization is really a lost art. Yep. It's a it's kind of the front door to embracing scripture and you know, God himself as the core that we wrap our lives around as opposed to having our lives and then trying to fit God in it somewhere, you know, because if I know what the Bible says about this thing or that thing or, you know, whatever, you know, and I, I'm able to call that to memory. You know, I, I think of the almost militant (laughs) memorization of scripture growing up, whether it was, you know, the church that I grew up in or, you know, the, the Christian elementary school that I went to, I recall those verses even in the King James, which is weird, but you know, that's I mean, what we memorized in. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Mind memory. It's, you know, but I, it's, it's nice now being older, being able to recall those passages of scripture in times of whatever it may be and that you know the holy spirit knows what he's doing so you know it's a nice uh uh, hey remember this oh yeah you know yeah remember (laughs) remember when god said that remember (laughs) right right right. and i find the average person always not memorizing it but they're not reading it because it's intimidating or they don't have time or those they don't have time yeah there's not even a a place to recall it like if the holy spirit wanted to have you recall a scripture he can't have you recall a scripture you never read right Right. you can't harvest a field you never planted you've never put that seed of the word of God in your heart. Yeah, sure. That's good. I'm going to tweet that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Oh, oh that's me. Oh, stra- stranger things. Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. So the last question, and then I'll get you guys out of here, but, um, 12 week sermon series, God's plan. Um, what are you hoping the average person in our congregation gets out of it? What do you mm. want to see right now that they don't have, that they would hopefully have by the time September comes around and we're back to yeah. school and, I'd say it's one of the. And I'll, I'll do my greatest one, and Carl, you do your greatest sure, one. Yeah. When you were a kid, Josh, I, I put these. He's uh, my dad. If nobody yeah, knows that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pastor Reverend Wiegand. When, when, when Reverend Wiegand was a child, I took him to Crystal Mountain and put these uh, rented skis on his feet, and he sat at the top of a hill, and it was terrifying. It was hard to get on the lift. It was hard to get to the top of the hill. It was looking down the hill, a lot of unknowns. And then he did it a couple I'm of times. I'm having PTSD right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. He did it a couple of times, and then he wanted his own skis. And then he was mm-hmm. teaching his friends how to ski, and then he was racing his brother to the bottom, and then he was trying to find more challenges. I think what I'm trying to say is I think once we get accustomed to the altitude of Scripture, once we get accustomed that it's not terrifying, it's not intimidating, it's not dangerous— just, just get to know it. And yeah. you know, your first trip down, you fell five times. Or you're, you're probably going to fall five times trying to you know, memorize the Scripture and try to understand it. But in the end, what you're going to find is something you really love. I mean, God yeah. has hidden so many promises, so many good things, so many so many moments in my life would have gone completely the other direction had I not known the Word of God, right? right? 
So I want to blame success on somebody. I have to blame it on God and I have to blame it on his instruction to me doing, you know, the things he told me to do. The reason I'm yeah. married, the reason I'm your father, the reason I'm the pastor of the Freedom Center is because at a moment where I didn't want to be, there was something there constraining me from being what I wanted to be. And there's right. times when it, it compelled me to do things I didn't want to do, but it was the right thing to do. So yeah. every good thing that's, that's ever so happened good. to me comes out of what we're talking about. So I, I hope mean. that people understand skiing's a blast. I hope that people understand yeah. that Scripture is a, is a love letter from a, from a king to you from a father to you, from a brother to you, it's it's the it's the greatest story ever told, and you're missing it because you're believing a lie that I can't do it. It's too high. It's too slippery. I'll get hurt. It's dangerous, yeah. and it's just not. Right. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'd say uh, you know you can't possibly worship, love, be a son to, be a daughter to what you do not know, mm-hmm. and I I think the Bible is an incredibly unique book that isn't just a book full of do's and don'ts, but it's a book about who God is and who God's not. Yeah. And as I dig into that, I understand that with every thou shalt and thou shalt not that God gives, it reveals his character. Mm -hmm. And so how on earth can a person say that they serve a God that they don't bother to know, you know, that that's, I, for us to grow in our knowledge of who God is and understand that there is things that God demands and expects from his people and that it's not just a, you know, thrill ride with the big guy upstairs, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, would, I would love to see some misconceptions about God challenged. I would love to see people just know the Father more because they understand that you know one of the one of the greatest gifts that we've ever been given being the bible it's like how many of us would love to just have a user manual for a person Mm -hmm. you know and that's exactly what the bible is that's been given to us is yeah you know here here is who i am read it Mm -hmm. enjoy (laughs) you know (laughs) you know and so i yeah i just i would love to see people understand is probably the wrong word but because grasp, i don't know grasp a little more you know yeah by, who yeah. who god is and and understand what that means for their lives yeah. you know what i mean yep. so awesome cool well thanks guys i think the I, first th- podcast i think it went pretty this good this is the right? best one i think we've ever done together yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah uh yeah. next week pastor adam preaching from yeah from uh, Boise or wherever you want to Cook say Nampa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Super excited about that. Uh, one of the biggest mentors in my life. Hopefully we'll get him on the podcast cool. next week. That would be awesome. Um, until then, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks uh, for listening. Uh, thanks for listening to the Pastor's Hangover. Yeah. Yeah. Brought to you by the Freedom Center. <laughs> and if you if you have a good Cue name for our podcast, if you have a good name <laughs> yeah, for our podcast, <laughs> feel free to give it to us. And maybe we'll, we'll if you if you name it, maybe we'll give you like a Freedom Center t-shirt yeah. or something. Yeah, like swag. That. That's, right. that's swag. Yeah. Yeah. Next week exactly. on Don't Ever Call It the Pastor's Hangover <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.